Welcome to another episode of Subway Tours. Today's episode is going to be highly emotional. We are going to get animated and we may be turning a little bit red. We are your hosts, of course. I'm Misha. I'm Mai. And I'm Anjo. And I was being super subtle about what we're going to review today. I'm red. Turning. Color. Movie. Roll the credits. Today, we're going to be talking about the 25th feature-length animated film from Pixar Animation Studios, distributed by Walt Disney Studios. It is called Turning Red, and it is something that we haven't quite seen before. It's set in the early 2000s in Toronto, of all places. Nothing particularly exotic or magical, considering the movies that we've been seeing the last couple of years. But this is a story that's very much unlike any other. We're talking about a coming-of-age story of May, who becomes a giant furry red panda when she gets overly excited. And her relationship with her mother, who she's learning, might not have all the answers necessarily. What did you guys think about this movie? Trauma! Trauma! What happened to you in Canada? I became a panda! Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a secret I've been keeping from you guys, actually, which is why I am MIA when I get emotional. No, just kidding. Um, no, it was just... Watching the film made me uncomfortable. Not because it was bad. It was actually really good. And it hit the right spots in terms of, like, entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, the usual Pixar characteristic of, like, tugging at your heartstrings. But it was too goddamn familiar to me. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I mean, like, like... The whole mommy issue thing. Oh, oh I'll get to it later. I, but it I, was just, I, like, I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, I'm but not- just, just so be clear, you don't transform into an eight-foot-tall red panda when you're upset? Unfortunately not. I wish I did. Okay. Mm. Just so we're clear. Yeah. Like, I'm not... I'm not. It was familiar. It's somehow relatable also. You know, it being a coming-of-age story. Everybody has that story. And as as I mentioned, it can be traumatizing for some. It is very familiar. Like, there's certain themes and concepts about, you know a mother-child or, you know, a parent-child relationship that people will be able to relate. It's not very specific, you know. There are things that are very specific, but, you know, there's so many broad strokes about it that just seems vaguely familiar. And it, it, I think Pixar, being Pixar, just, you know, hit it, hit it out of the park this time around again because they've been on a roll with their past three outings, I think. You know, with Luca and Soul, like everything's been crazy good with Pixar. Um, <clears throat> I I agree completely. I fell in love with these characters and this world. I mean, okay, yeah, I fell in love with Canada, I guess. But um, I I, I like that it was giving us a glimpse into something that we don't always necessarily see in our coming of age movies. In this case, it's the coming of age of a young girl, and that's really something you don't always see, especially in an animated film. So kudos to them. Uh, uh, when the, oh, Sorry. I actually saw this meme about a lot of animated features. Um, 
touching on family slash generational trauma, which we've also talked about before, which was Enganto. And now here's Turning Red. And I feel like it's because it's our generation, like the millennials are now somehow the ones who are at the helm of all these animation studios because you know uh, you know we're we're at that working age already where um the studios are probably also like have a lot of millennials who can relate so i feel like this is our generation airing out our traumas in a nice creative way but then i feel like it's just so relatable to us particularly because of that I agree completely. I, mean, I I I love that now we can use um, different genres, different mediums to tell stories that otherwise would have been glossed over or just you know swept under the rug in favor of traditional fairy tales and happy yep. endings. Um, when the story starts, we meet May. She's your typical stereotypical straight A student, child of immigrant parents, doing everything to make her mom and her dad proud and live up to the family traditions, to live up to family honor. And um, that means she doesn't get to spend a lot of time with her friends. And they're all the biggest fans in the world of this boy band, Four Town. Do you guys Four remember Town! what you were listening to in the early 2000s? Were you this crazy? Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> Eminem is not a boy band. You asked me what I was listening to back in the early 2000s. That's fair. I guess I should have asked somebody who actually was a teenage girl in the early 2000s. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was crazy over actually more of the girl bands. I was a girl power kind of person. So I was all about Christina, Britney, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, the soloists. But actually, I feel like I'm getting into the boy band thing late. I may not be a teenager anymore, but I am still fucking crazy over BTS. <laughs> Nice. I'm not I'm not even ashamed to say it. Ooh. Like therefore town is my BTS and I'm sure a lot of people no matter what age can relate to that. Nice. Like nice, my nice. wife. But yes. I did remember my wife telling me a story that they caught the Backstreet Boys concert here and she literally oh no her friend tore her Nick Carter poster while <gasps> watching the Backstreet Boys what? while screaming Nick I, Nick I love you. <laughs> she held up the poster that whole time they were performing. So I guess I have an idea of what, you know, like a boy band crazy high school, middle school girl would be. Oh yeah, I was kind of like crazy over NSYNC for a time too, I guess. But not as much as… <laughs> Why am I aging backwards? Well… It, you know, you know, BTS is the new thing because I have friends other than you who are aging backwards because of the you know Bangtan boys or whatever they call them. Bangtan. Bangtan. Oh Sorry. God. <laughs> Sorry. I'm 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 not getting involved in this argument. Let's move this discussion along. <laughs> but either way, boy band, girl band, girl group soloists, we all know how it is to be a fan of something. It doesn't even have to be music. It could be mm-hmm. like, I don't know, sports or wrestling. Sports ball. <laughs> sports ball. <laughs> sports ball. Um, the plot of the movie really gets going when one day May wakes up and she discovers that she transforms into an eight foot tall, super fluffy red panda whenever she's in, in, a, in a heightened emotional state. And um, this leads to one of the best sequences, in my opinion, in the movie where her mom tries to supplement her with 
every menstrual aid known to man. Like her mom's <laughs> got a hot water bottle. She's got napkins. She's got tampons. She's got like painkillers. She's ready for this moment. And th- and what really sells the scene for me is that she's trying to give her kid all this stuff through the bathroom door and the dad just wisely steps aside. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't my turf. <laughs> but yes, no um, uh, <laughs> even if it does, they don't explicitly say in the movie that May actually has gotten her period, it can somehow be interpreted as that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's what they you totally know, got. Tur- turning red. I mean, you know, panda. Red. She turns into a red panda. I mean, maybe it was in a way personified. Mm-hmm. Well, technically not a person because it's a panda. Pandified? Okay. Pandified. Anim- animal fied? Panda fied? Let's just call it panda fied. So panda fied. It can actually be interpreted as a little girl getting her period and mm-hmm. hence coming of age because uh, woman, it opens up the, an, an entire new world for girls whenever they actually get their periods. Because this is when, you know, they are dubbed as, oh, you're a woman now. You're not a little girl anymore. You have your period. That kind of thing. Which uh, is actually nice of May's mom to be ready for this moment. <laughs> you know, it's actually the day moms kind of dread for their daughters. At least that's what my mom told me when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, like I can't. When I, w- when I didn't have my period yet. She was like, oh, I don't want you to get your period. That would mean you're like all grown up and stuff. And when the day actually came, she cried. <laughs> she actually freaking cried. So May's mom handled it very well, in my opinion. Um, Speaking as someone who... Clearly was never pandified. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I just need to ask you, like, um, so you thought it was handled well, this this scene? Yeah. Um, well, although you can already tell from the start when you get to meet May's mom, that is, she's actually a typical tiger mom. You know, she's the boss lady. She's very strict. She expects you to be home at a certain time. You know, mm-hmm. she has these expectations for you. And she's always there. She's like, so overbearing and it's embarrassing to some degree um, unfortunately for me but at that moment I think um, well I think it just really depends on how you as the person who has just gotten this period how you want you want your mom to explain it to you because like some people might find it awkward like May's mom's approach might have been awkward for some but for others maybe it's maybe it's like uh, it's okay. I, I actually uh, appreciate this kind of information. So it really depends on your dynamic with your mother, I guess, on That's how fair. this this um, momentous event should be handled. Absolutely. I guess. Because I, I don't know, like maybe if it was the actual pandification, not the magical pandification, it would have been a different conversation judging by the relationship May had with her mom. But yeah. I, guess, it, I don't know, like, because talking to my my wife about it she said like it was it was relatable like it it's something that she didn't want i guess for some something that this is not these are not my words but you know it's something that some people may handle differently from you know from from others mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i for I, one would have appreciated Ma, um, may's mom's approach to this because she the she options. laid out the options like so many options <clears throat> like and I'm sure if May gave her the chance she would have explained the hell out of everything and I personally would be okay with that. So um, okay, let's let's look at the other aspect about the film, which um, 
I also appreciated this was the the cultural aspect. I mean, it's 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 one thing if you're watching like you know a rat that can do fine dining, fine cooking, <laughs> or you're watching you know toys that can talk. But here we're talking about Asian immigrants. We're presenting them. Um, in from from what I could tell, from my experience and from my knowledge, I mean, it looked pretty accurate and respectful, and not in a not in a window dressing kind of way. I, I felt that the fact that the director um, Domi Shi, um, she directed Bao for Pixar previously, that short award Academy Award winning short film, and she was using her own experiences as an Asian. Canadian growing up in Toronto. So, what, what did you guys think about that whole Asian cultural aspect? I, I I think she she did it. I mean, like I think she was able to tell her story well. I mean, like she would have more authority than us because you know she grew up there. We 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 are just you know she just opens up to us about what her experiences were like to some extent. I'm I'm guessing it wasn't as magical as this, but you know, like we fully understood what was happening, and I, I like the fact that. Her friends were also members of, you know, families of immigrants as well. Because she had, um, she had an Indian friend, and they think a Vietnamese friend. No, no, angry Korean, angry <laughs> Korean friend. I love angry Korean friend. Yes, because uh, we couldn't. But, but my passion, I couldn't tell from the accent, just because it was she was always angry or super intense, <laughs> just so fast. I loved, I loved her for that. But she was my I favorite. Really she, yeah, Abby was, was awesome. Fun. I, I I love that the um, the film was able to show us like this blending of worlds, how this very traditional culture is clashing with her modern Toronto sensibilities, and a lot of that I think came through with with the kids. And I love that they were just kids, you know. It wasn't it, trying hard to sell us that they are young people. They were just acting it, like kids. It, it's it's perfect because I talked to my my sister's fiance because he's. He's a Filip- uh, he's a Filipino was born and raised in Toronto in mm-hmm. Mississauga, mm-hmm. and he would tell us stories about what it was like growing up up there. And he would he would his cousins would just laugh at people about you know laugh at you know like Filipinos there just because saying you, you could really tell who the Filipinos were. This is not like it, it's not about like singling out a particular community, but it's just speaking from ex- you know, the experiences of somebody who who came from an immigrant family it's because like. They they had they 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 had a neighbor or a family friend who who they would place bets on on how they would react and they would make fun of it because like check this out they would do the whole Filipino pointing with the mouth thing and they would actually do it <laughs> just because you know like there are certain things like immigrant families can relate to and can make fun of when when they make fun of certain things about their their certain um, heritage. And it shows in this movie by the conversations that um, we see with May and her mom. And I, I think uh, Domishi really hit the nail on it this time around. It was perfect. Gave us a really good view of what it was like for her growing up in Toronto. Um, apparently, she took a lot of it from, again, like from our own experiences, whether it was, you know, looking after a Tamagotchi or, or <laughs> you know, fangirling over the latest boy bands or having Tim bits with your breakfast. Um, another, something that was really nice to be highlighted also, and I think you can see this in her drawings, May is um, somewhat of an anime fan. And I think that seeps into the execution a lot. What did you guys think? Oh, yeah. Like those moments where they're, 
eyes would turn like really big and sparkly and mm-hmm. or turn into hearts and they or or you know um in general expressing emotion which this film is generally about anyways since she does turn into a panda when she does express extreme emotion <laughs> and i think that style of animation is perfect for that kind of thing because anime we've known them to be like super expressive at least it you know the visual cues are crystal clear so yeah that was a good approach I liked it. I was just surprised to be seeing that kind of um, treatment because you don't really you don't really see a lot of that in three D. Um, you know, we 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 uh, we've seen a lot of two D animation growing up, but to see anime um, translated into a very a very much Pixar world, um, it it was refreshing. Honestly, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we live in twenty twenty two where where you know where where things are interconnected or intertwined with each other and this this is one of those things that are you know we what we can consider a perfect mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a perfect mix. It's it's not like completely animefied, but you can still tell that it is a work of Pixar. Absolutely. I mean, I was looking at the May as the red panda and I just yeah, wanted to I wanted to hug her. Me like too. seriously. So did her classmates. <laughs> I I saw a post on Twitter that said that the most <laughs> accurate thing about this movie is that a school full I mean a, a a building full of middle schoolers would not run away in horror from something that flew feet. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> I would run towards it and try to hug it and Damn never straight. let go. <laughs> Especially if it looked like it was more afraid of us than you know. <laughs> Oh, you would go and comfort the giant monster. Yeah. Because he's it's so fluffy. Not a monster, it's a panda. Mm. Red pandas aren't supposed to be huge, though. They're supposed to be small. Yeah, they're like little, like fox size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fox size. But they're so cute. So I want a red panda toy. They are. I want a plushie. The the, the I I saw that um I think Mattel has a line now of May dolls where you can put her into like a panda costume, like <laughs> like like. Like a mascot suit to simulate her transforming into the panda. Oh, that's as cool. Long, as long as it's not cardboard like she tried to pass <laughs> off. <laughs> Which is kind of adorbs. Mm-hmm. If you adorbs, can't believe I used that word, you know. Because, adorbs. Adorbs. Okay. Just because, you know, like, I think it, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, just, you know, this, the, using adorbs just distracted me from my train, train of thought. But yeah, I think the whole cardboard <laughs> costume kind of worked for me just because, you know, she was supposed to be like the mascot of… Just to see how, how devoted she was to her familial duties were yeah, in this yeah. movie. Um, yeah, I think we're all in agreement that we really like the treatment and um, the overall execution of the story. L- let's let's talk about the cast. I I honestly thought that Rosalie Chang as May was excellent. Um, if I'm not mistaken, this is her first big movie, and um, she she's not annoying. You know, she 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 gets you on her side immediately. Like in the opening when she's doing her little explanation of herself and who she is and what she does, that could have been super obnoxious. But I, I think she does a very good job in getting us on her side. I, I think it, it was the energy she had. Because, you know, like, she really embodied this overachieving, hyperactive go-getter. And it really showed with, you know, the, the voice acting. It was, it was, I mean, it was pretty good. 
and to actually um, exercise the level of different emotions that May goes through. Because, you know, the moment she does turn into a red panda or maybe those moments where she has very heightened emotions, like really excited, really sad, really angry. And also you see her through this phase of trying to control it. It's Mm -hmm. very believable. In a sense that, especially when they were trying to give her the trigger test and everything, like showing <laughs> lots of different things to try to trigger the red panda, put her to the test. But she just nails it because, yes, she's believable and absolutely not annoying and, in fact, relatable in my case. Oh, okay, um, stop me if it's going too far, but I, I, I'm curious. Um what was your pandification like from your point of view? Because you talked about how your mother reacted, but <laughs> we don't know what your emotional state was like. You don't have to answer. If it's uncomfortable, we can move on. No, but, uh, uh, yeah, an is, honest question. I appreciate, actually, the, for, men, for one thing, I actually appreciate this film um, having this sort of symbolism for this uh, event in a woman's life or in a, in a girl's life. Because a lot of times, people are grossed out by this conversation. And I appreciate you asking me about this. Well, besides the fact that you haven't experienced it. But for us to be openly talking about it because of this film. Because a lot of people might still see it as dirty or taboo. Even when it's an absolutely normal part of a girl's life. Like we go through it every fucking month. So it it can't get any normal than that. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I didn't really think of it as a big deal personally. It was just nice. like, okay, it's just different. I I was I still felt like a kid. I still went on by my day just with the honestly hassle uh going through, you know, this extra little hurdle <laughs> every month with the with, with it came headaches, with it came like, you know, having to use many different products that were, were so foreign to you, especially at the start. But mm-hmm. I appreciate it being this conversation opener for this and like maybe for you know the, uh, people without uteruses to actually understand how taxing it can be as as this experience might have not been that much of a big deal when I was growing up it could have still been a big deal for the mothers or the other girls who went through it they, they might have really thought of it as this you know turning point in their life and that's all fair all all views on it were are actually like uh valid and fair like no matter how you look at it whether it was a big deal to you or not it's still something that shouldn't be considered as taboo or dirty i don't get why it's considered taboo or, you know i raised by my mom and I grew up with a sister i really did not understand why some people would think guys would be embarrassed to buy napkins for them. Mm-hmm. People are stupid, dude. <laughs> or maybe it's the toxic masculinity. You know, it's something they don't understand or they, they don't want to understand because it's it's none of their business. Like, oh, it, it only matters to them when their girlfriends have it or not. You know what like, I mean? Sometimes, like, to me, it's sometimes so it's simple. Sorry. Uh, Sometimes it's like moms and like their friends also who perpetuate it. I mean, like I know a friend who like, you know, her, her tita would give her hell. Like if she left a package of, you know, sanitary napkins, like on the sink, like it's so Hmm. embarrassing. How can you do that? What kind of a, what kind of a woman are you? I mean, like, like, it's her bathroom, dude. It's her bathroom. Yeah. um, Yeah. I think there's a lot of, 
shame that's kind of like ingrained in society. Like it's some, that it's something shameful as opposed to something that should be completely normal. It is. I mean, like to me, this is how this is my frame of thinking growing up. You know, like I understood it as like a necessity for my mom and my sister. So it's just there. If I see it in the bathroom, ah, it's it's just like my you know my pimple cream or it's it's a need. It's a necessity. Just, just don't mix them up. Just don't mix them up. Of course, though. So eh, I, I, I never thought of it as a big deal, to be honest. Well, for yeah. that, I'm grateful. <laughs> I, I do, you know, like, but it's still hard to talk about it sometimes because you never know how somebody might react to the topic. Mm-hmm. And I, I think part of that comes with the stigma that society places on it. Yeah. And it's gotten to such a point that, like, you know, there was this infamous review from Cinema Blend a few weeks ago that they pulled down because um, basically the reviewer said that the film was too narrow in its scope and it would only appeal to Asians from Canada. Huh? Or, no. you know, he said he just couldn't relate to it. It's like, Domi I'm not just Canada. made this movie for herself and her friends and nobody else isn't going to be able to relate to this. Th- um, that guy's narrow-minded. Then. Exactly. Like, that, yeah. I think 99% of the movies we've been raised on, you know, we had to try and find a way to empathize with a white dude and that's none of us. But mm-hmm. we found ways. Yeah. Yeah. This is it's just a case of somebody privileged enough not to adjust to something he's not familiar with. Exactly. You know, because I did mention earlier that you know, for the most part, this movie in its broad strokes is super, super relatable. Again, it's just not about you know, a, it's not about pan. You know, pandification is one thing. You know, it, it, you know how it, it was used as a metaphor. For 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 your period, but other other than that, it really was a a, a coming of age story that we could relate to a lot. Like especially the part where she starts to realize who she was becoming and how she wanted to to, to live her life and how it clashed with the traditional the uh, the traditions that her mom has instilled has been trying to instill in her all throughout. It's super relatable, you know, coming from. A mixed heritage family, like I'm third generation Chinese Filipino, so it's it's on that level I could relate. It's not the exact mm-hmm. same thing because one, sh- she's Canadian, I'm I'm Filipino, but I could still find ways to relate to this movie. Whoever wrote that review is a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I uh, also right found ways to relate to this because I mean I don't necessarily have an overbearing tiger mom but for for me and I don't, I don't know how many people can relate to this for me in my case it was my father really who I had whose expectations I had to live up to and who would never give you know visible approval and who um, basically I know and it took me a long time to realize that he really just had my best interests at heart but you know when you're in it when you're in the moment and you're being told to do things a certain way or you're being told to do the chores or that you gotta do something you you don't really see it when you're there it's only later on you realize like oh that that actually helped me be become not a douchebag for the most part and that's when you appreciate it. And I think that Sandra Oh, as the mom, does a great job at conveying that that emotion. Yeah. She's not doing it to be mean. 
Yes, you you could. Um, although a lot of moments during the beginning, especially that time when she found May's drawings and started confronting the guy who had absolutely no idea what was going on. <laughs> that poor oh, man. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I hid <gasps> under my. I hid. I hid the under cringe. the blackheads when I was watching oh, that. I felt so bad for her. I felt so bad for me. I mean, during the start, you would see how absolutely embarrassing it must be to, you know, be this woman's child. And for a lot of the times, also, you could just see her stalking me through school you know <laughs> somehow looking like a creepy person just like being there while May is at school which eventually really triggers her panda mm-hmm. but Sandra O oh gives this performance in a way that you don't take it against her especially in the moments when you meet the grandmother mm-hmm. like the yeah. reason why the mom is the way she is because <laughs> of her own mother. I like that she's scared of her. <laughs> I know. It's a, it just like gave gave this not just that scene, but Sandra O's performance also just like gave us that perspective. But and it's just Sandra makes and, and exactly. <laughs> and you don't end up hating the mom. Like I probably hated more on the abuela in Encanto <laughs> more than more than May's mom yes. here. Because I, I, I understood her more. I, I totally agree. Abuela had no powers and didn't contribute anything other than <laughs> than giving birth to children. That's the only thing she contributed. I'm not saying that's a minor Oof. thing. I'm just saying she should have gone easier on her kids with yeah. her expectations. Especially like, sh- with on Mirabel, right? So you you yeah. would, you would understand what it's like to have no powers. It's like, oi, abuela, do you have bionic hearing? Can you talk to animals? Uh, can you bench press a donkey? I don't think so. <laughs> Chill. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> just for the lack of a better word, chill. <laughs> but back to Sandra Oh as Ming Li as May's mom. Um. At first, I was a little bit apprehensive. I'm like, why is a Korean playing a Chinese woman? Oh, right. That, that was kind of odd to me because, you know, Koreans aren't the biggest fans. But um, I, I thought she played the role very well with dignity and all that. And mm. um, I liked that. I don't know if you caught this, Anjo, but um, um, May's grandmother is played by... Um, Wai Ching Ho who played Madame Gao on Daredevil yes, and I she's, she's amazingly it. terrifying in uh, Daredevil and she's it, terrifying here yeah but then there were yeah she's amazingly terrifying in this movie as well but then you know there were certain parts you realize that she's a mom oh. and she's only raising her kid the way she knew how that is true so that not quite true. as terrifying as their, Ms. Madame Gao Madame Gao Mystical old lady assassin who heads the triad. <laughs> I I like that they got James Hong to play um the, oh my the shaman. <laughs> James Hong again. He the is guy amazing. who played. He was in, in Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, the the, the adoptive father, the goose. <laughs> you know the the noodle making goose adoptive father of Poe. Mm-hmm. The oh. here he plays um a kind of a shaman who says he would rather use Tony Bennett music, but you know his clients are old school, so they got to chant. <laughs> but he, uh, that's what I love about this movie. You know, there's this clash of old school and new school, and 
neither one is shown to be superior to the other. This movie mm-hmm. is talking about how it's okay for us to embrace the things that make us who we are. It's how we choose to get along that, you know, makes life bearable. Yeah. It's something all too familiar, especially like, you know, like I grew up in a in 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 a, in a Chinese school where the community talks to each other a lot. So, you know, like little things get blown out of proportions and you see why certain people try to tend to stick to traditions. Mm-hmm. It's it's not very common to have people talking about somebody who's dating who isn't Chinese. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm of mixed heritage, so it wasn't really a factor for me, but I could I could see the I I could somehow relate to certain expectations that they had and certain disagreements that they would have. Mm-hmm. Is that that was what I think um, form did it for me because I could relate to to Domishi's experiences with that because some of the conversations that she had like I want to do it like when when. Um, May, May would would say that she wanted to live a you know a certain way because typical stereotypical tiger mom in move, most movies it's mostly like you have to be a doctor you have to be a professional you have to grow up into somebody who's worth something like a lawyer or something but then you know there's what about the creatives you know, creatives don't really get a lot of notice from from your traditional tiger tiger moms or tiger parents whatever you call it. So and, that, there was that. Uh, and I also love the disparity between um, May and her mom. Not just in terms of what's traditional and what's not traditional. You can see the very visible age gap or like <laughs> generational gap that mm-hmm. um, we probably also experience with our parents. Like, what what music is this? <laughs> what, what are it's these trash. Russians doing? Like dancing and gyrating and, you know, singing to children like this. You know, that's also like the little details like that are just Why like, are your so friends relatable. so weird? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But that was different though because when my mom heard Eminem, she was like, what is this? That's a different reaction to pop music. <laughs> uh, for for me, it was like well, well, looking maybe like looking up to like Britney and the like the Spice Girls. My mom was always like, "Where are their clothes?" <laughs> you know that, that kind of thing or like especially maybe eventually when I got a little bit more into rock and roll and she was like what is music back in my day blah 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 hindi kaya kaingay yung rock and roll Beatles na yun oh because my mom grew up on Judas Priest so okay lang sa kanya oh my god oh good nice. for you so I, oh, nice. I actually found cassette tapes of Judas Priest from my mom so there was that but I have a question for you. Did were you into Skechers? Since oh you yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh hell yes! I had like, those what? platform shoes. Even if I was tallest in the class, like my classmates would be freaking pissed at me. Like, tangkad tangkad mo nang ano nag platform chance. But I was like, no, these are my Spice Girls platforms. I'm buying them. But I didn't Sketchers. buy them. But you know what? No matter how much my mom would comment about how skimpy their clothes are or like how she doesn't understand the music, she still bought the albums and the shoes and the clothes Aww. for me anyway. Oh, that's nice. What I appreciated the most out of the film was the fact that um, you, you guys saw Raya, The Last Dragon. You saw Shang-Chi where Raya was like just this hodgepodge of different Southeast Asian cultures mm-hmm. um, and somehow made kind of generic while... In Shang-Chi, it was more about validating the new school approach. Like, 
tradition is okay to discard as long as you're being yourself. But this movie shows us that the two can live side by side. You know, neither one is necessarily superior to the other. It's just how you try to understand each other. And um, I think for me, that was my main takeaway. And you, there's no better scene that encapsulates that than the big, um, the big concert with uh, Four Town. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. know what? That that is surprisingly actually where I cried the hardest. Okay, uh, we're going into spoilers, but you know, if you're still listening at this point, you're all in. Okay, what set you off? What made you cry? So this is the moment where um, May chooses to go to the concert. She actually rejects the whole ritual that could actually cure her of the mm-hmm. whole panda curse or mm-hmm. whatever. So it's on the same night as the big concert that they've all been saving up for. They made this scheme, this <laughs> money-making scheme of May turning into a panda and like cash grabbing from all the kids who want pictures or videos or merch. You know, they worked so hard to get to that concert. But you know, mm-hmm. it happens to be the night of the red moon where it's like the only time that May can like get rid of this power forever. But then when she's up to it, she decides to embrace it. And she's like, I don't want to let go of the panda because it's given me such uh, good memories or it's and, it and made conf- me feel confidence yeah self-confidence it made me feel like I found myself because of it it's, it's not a curse like mm-hmm. probably my mom would have felt like it was so May escapes from the ritual angers her mom and for some reason that little amulet thing uh, that holds the panda spirit of her mom breaks and mom turns into this scary gigantic Red panda, even like, oh my god, how many feet was she? Dude, she, was she like, goes, she goes full kaiju. I know exactly. That is like <laughs> full on kaiju red panda, still fluffy but scary. I, I, I like mom? how Asian dad was just like, oh yeah, she was big, but he doesn't say <laughs> he doesn't say how fucking big that she got when she yeah. was mad. Yeah. She was just so big that she was too slow. It's like, where is <laughs> me? It's like, oh fuck! At that point, I was laughing. So harsh. Like, the mom is so fucking huge. <laughs> so yeah, she like totally trashes the concert. And the poor four-town four boys are still like suspended in midair from their number. <laughs> until like, <laughs> the mom starts like terrorizing the whole stadium. Yep. But uh, this is where like uh, the big fight happens. You know, May tries to stop her mom. The whole family's there trying to make a giant chalk circle. Trying to get the ritual to, to take effect on the mother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what personally set me off there was when the the fight, obviously it gets physical, you know, uh, things are destroyed. But it was when they were verbally fighting that really got to me mm-hmm. because um, this was where they suddenly started airing out their dirty laundry towards each other. This is where May is like, I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. I'm not that daughter you want me to be. And somehow you can hear from the mom that her disappointment stems, and this is not verbatim because like I was obviously sobbing at this point already and I can't really say it verbatim, but this is where she says like, but these, this, I, this is what I wanted for you. You know, I was, 
parang lumabas na yung <coughs> issues on why she was so overbearing towards me because mm-hmm. this is just what she wanted for her daughter but it wasn't exactly what May wanted for herself and it was more of a projection of what she couldn't have or achieve or what she would have wanted to herself and she's projecting it to her daughter and that <laughs> woo, that's where it hits me because I'm probably not alone in this and wherein we can often feel that our parents are projecting what they would have wanted for themselves to us. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I think also not just what they would have wanted for themselves, but, you know, every parent, I think, inherently wants their kids to have something better than what they had. And that was just an incredibly cathartic conversation for them to be having in the midst of, you know, threatening thousands of lives and destroying, <laughs> you know, Toronto Skydome. But, um, so I, I, I'm not going to lie. I also cried. I was also laughing so freaking hard at all the craziness that was going on. So it was, it was a very confusing emotional sequence. I was laughing and I was crying for completely oh, yeah. different reasons. Yeah, especially that part when like May was taunting her mom like, oh, you don't like the gyrating? Well, I like it. I like, <laughs> I like loud, music, loud music and she's just like starts to work. The, this, like, there's a twerking panda. Yeah, with a the tail. Twerking, <laughs> twerking red panda. What am I looking at? <laughs> exactly. I, I was just laughing so hard at that point. But yeah, she was all like, you know, I like boys. I like loud music. I like gyrating. I'm like, she did not. Oh, she did. <laughs> and she is. I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, I also got further emotional when the grandma and the auntie stepped in. And it, they all decided to just smash their talismans and revert to their red panda forms. To try and calm down <laughs> May's mom. Because I, th- I think it was freaking hilarious that even the grandma was scared of her daughter. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Everybody, every single one of them, every generation was scared of May's mom. <laughs> Isn't that reason. like, there was, um, there was a mention in one of the scenes where, where May's mom says that she, she was once close to her grandma. And when, 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 grandma, when the grandmother came back, we see that she actually has a scar. So that this, the, during that she got during May's um, during May's mom's ritual, so that scar could be like a metaphor for a scar she had or an emotional scar that she had maybe because May's mom hurt her somewhere some at some point. Yeah, because May's mom couldn't control her emotions. You know, she's terrified that her daughter might not be able to either. That's why she just wants to get rid of it as soon as possible. Yeah. And and that's what I appreciate. That that's actually my takeaway. Well, one of the many. <laughs> Besides like me reliving my trauma. Um, my takeaway was that this is different generations way of expressing their emotions because uh, May's mom, unfortunately, was raised in a generation where you should completely hide it. You should, you know, Repress suppress yourself. it. Yes, it, it, it's just like so suppressed, which actually probably explains why her panda is like so big and scary and angry because all those emotions can get bottled up inside right, you. Right, right. And yeah. it'll, it can backfire in the scariest of ways. And um, here comes May, who actually embraces it these mm-hmm. emotions, she learns how to deal with it and she can actually moderate herself in a good way because she expresses herself. She actually finds herself 
while in panda form. So she's found a much healthier outlet for expressing that emotion as opposed to what her mom has gone through, completely repressing mm. it. Yes, yes. Because that you makes could so see much that, sense. Yeah, because you could see that May tried to suppress it because, but, you know, she was taught that, oh, you can stop this pandaness. But you can actually see this is where she's happiest. Like she was much happier just letting it go compared to when she was trying to hold it in. And God knows how hard it is to hold in your emotions when faced with a box of cute little kittens. <laughs> yeah, that, it's true. So yeah, it's it's a much healthier way, I guess, for me to be able to express herself. So that's also, it could also be a meta- metaphor for being able to regulate your own emotions and not necessarily always just, just the period. It's probably just like a good way of, you know, like saying it's just generally better to express yourself as opposed to hiding how you feel. Just, you know, because I was raised by, by my dad who would remind me at times, uh, you know, I would have those times where I feel like I wanted to cry. Like, let's say I felt bad about something and it just goes all of a sudden, don't cry, don't cry. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was an adult where I realized how cathartic it is or how healthy it is to actually release emotion. Yes, exactly. That's actually something I also experienced because my mom or my parents would also be like, don't cry or like, don't show those emotions. But, and I also found growing up by repressing or trying to completely forget about these problems, they'll just come creeping up in the most inconvenient or inopportune times. But Mm -hmm. I found myself learning more about how I think and feel by just like basking in that emotion for a while and accepting it as opposed to just sweeping it under the rug. And I guess that's what May experienced as well. So this this movie really has us digging a lot of stuff up. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Um, This is actually free therapy for all three of us. (laughs) Um, At our listeners' expense. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, guys. Or maybe you feel the same way. Please let us know if you do feel the same way. Yes, please please justify this outpour of emotion. (laughs) No, but uh, I I, I totally get what you're saying. um, Because again, my father was not the most expressive with us um, when it came to expressing his, when it came to sharing his emotions. You know, he'd be there for fun. He'd be there for like, you know, serious stuff. But as far as expressing emotion, like telling you that he approved of something you did or things like that, that, that was just out of his wheelhouse. So I would go through like a lot of days just thinking he hated me. And I need my mother to translate what's actually going on. My mother is the one who tells me, oh, you know, he, he's like this, but, you know, he's proud of you, whatever. Like, why can't he say it? So, yeah, that, 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 that's where I'm coming from going into this movie. And that's why I really appreciated that May and her mom were able to have that conversation where they could just tell each other how they actually felt. And um, something that... Uh, stuck with me as well was you you mentioned that your mom would be the one to translate for your dad and like Mm -hmm. she explained to you that probably like words of affirmation isn't your father's primary love language yeah and that was also in a scene right here right before the ritual where May was also like you know preparing and her dad walks in the room after he finds this little video camera with her Friend, you know, footage of her friends and herself mm-hmm. enjoying as a panda. And that's where he sits down and talks to her and explains how or explains why 
her mother is like that. Because who else would know your mom, uh, your mom best? But, you know, the dad. Mm-hmm. And there were things that May couldn't understand about her mom. But, you know, dad told her about how much she's been through with the grandmother. He told her how the grandmother didn't approve of him. And how the mom fought tooth and nail yep. to actually be with him. And the dad was like, yeah, I've seen her her scary, big, scary panda form, but you it know, big. It was big. yeah, it was big. And everybody has their messes, but you know, you take the good and you take the bad, and you love them anyway. And that that really touched me. Like the dad, yeah. <laughs> given given that the mom's a tiger mom, you know, you could obviously see in some parts that the dad's just like the type to like, you know, step away. I'm just gonna mind my own business. But when mm-hmm. it comes right down to it, he was still there, and that was such a heartwarming moment for me. I also yes. love that the dad is there for amazing food shots. <laughs> like, oh my god, I got hungry watching him cook. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I crave for I crave for um, Tim Hoan actually. Oh, and don't you love that little homage to Mulan that the porridge with the the egg eyes and whatnot? Mm-hmm. I I was I was I was fascinated by the fact that they had Tim bits in the center of that breakfast table because you know. I, I do love me my, my Tim Hortons donuts. <laughs> okay. We've talked about the performances. We've talked about the themes and the, and the sequences that resonated with us. Can we talk about the music by Billie Eilish? <laughs> and her brother, Phineas? Yes. Um, they just won an Academy Award, by the way. Congratulations um, for their work on No Time to Die. Uh, you can check out our review also on this channel. Um, but they wrote all the boy band stuff for this movie. And, and Phineas I was one was... of the members. What? You're serious? Yeah, Phineas was one of the guys. <laughs> what Was he Aaron Z or Aaron T? I have no idea. I'm not related to Aaron T though. <laughs> mm. But yeah, um, actually, I completely forgot about that fact. Uh, you guys mentioned it. You you saw red, uh, uh, turning red before me, mm-hmm. and you already mentioned that. Oh, Billie Eilish uh, and her brother did the music for this. Mm-hmm. And watching it, I completely forgot that it was them until I saw their names in the end credits. And yeah. that, I, that was a shock to me because I did not feel an ounce of Billie Eilish or Phineas yeah. in the music, which yeah. I guess is good for them because you know they're they're they have range. I think and they I believe their it. childhoods. Yeah, they, and I believe it as like an early two thousands boy band song. Mm-hmm. Totally, mm-hmm. it's got this that R and B vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and you know the runs of the lead singer and whatnot. So it's it was totally different, and I I guess good for them because I did also read afterwards that it was the most fun Billy and Phineas had writing. They oh, did nice. say, I, yeah. I, I I have a question though. They're called Four Town, but there are five of them. The mom also <laughs> asked that. <laughs> Actually, hmm, why? Hmm. Why are they Four Town? Maybe you know Air, the the two Aaron's came from the same town, so they're just Four Towns. <laughs> I don't know. That's a stretch. It but, is a yeah. mystery, but yeah, I could see myself probably going gaga over a similar band. So, you, know. <laughs> you are going gaga over a similar yeah, band. Yeah, why are we talking in the past tense? Okay, yes. Joko, <laughs> get well soon, homie. Get well soon. There it is. So there what it the is. Hell? Should we end <laughs> they up? They have COVID. Should Stop they it. They do? All Wait, of them? They? All of them? 
Hobie and Jungkook as of this moment. But you only want order. Jungkook to get better? I said Hobie too. How dare you? I love okay, all of them. Okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> I'm just checking. <laughs> Who's like as Hobie? J-Hope. Oh. <laughs> well, the others also had COVID in the past, but they've recovered. But right now, it's Jungkook and J-Hope. I see. They were so. also in the Oscars. For like 11 seconds, they explained what their favorite animated movies were. It was kind of cringe. It was just… They were just K-pop baiting again. Yeah, I hate it when they do that. Yeah, kind of like… So it's, it's like how they put BTS at the end of the awards shows just so people would stick around and watch. Mm-hmm. It's also kind of how they put them in Friends. It was just the one guy talking about it. It was just RM talking. That's not fair. Anyway. <laughs> one of the four town members was supposedly inspired… Um… By 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 BTS, the oh, the Tae Asian Young. one exactly the <laughs> His Asian name one. Is Tae Young. I'm not being racist. He's the Asian one. There is uh, the, the the band member in the movie is Tae Young Y O U N G I guess, and there's mm-hmm. a member of BTS named Tae Hyung, which is Anjo's <laughs> wife's <favorite>. bias. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> you but should I, see I, her workstation. Oh, you should like, see mine. No, but then you know it's a picture of Tae Hyung. Tae Hyung, our kid. Oh, there we go. Me. She's showing us <laughs> pictures now for oh, those of okay. you listening. Nice. Oh, she's not stopping, guys. Oh, <laughs> oh she has a bobblehead. She's got a thing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway, yes. Enough about BTS for now. <laughs> dun dun dun. But I also have now. Itzy Angel. What are you talking about? Ooh, oh, I like oh that. okay. She's got pictures. She's got cards. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I mean, there's nothing as there's nothing that can encapsulate. Teenage craziness as much as being obsessed over like something like a band or a TV show or comic books or you know movies you know so that it's a pretty good representation of how kids are and I, I, that they they even make up with a school bully through this fandom and they became instant right. friends and and even the dad was a fan <laughs> it's so adorable that's also an aspect that. You know, people sometimes underestimate with fandoms because you get so much closer with someone when you share the same fandom, right, Angel? <laughs> it's a yes. It's <laughs> anyway, a. Yeah. It's a stand off to the side. <laughs> Whatever. That's well. We all love movies. That's why we're here. That is true. That is very true. Um, when you mentioned earlier how it's now, you know, um. Millennials um, who are taking charge, making media, making content now, and the entertainment that we watch. I think that that also ties back into what Anjo said in that crying can be cathartic, expressing your emotions. And I think, look at the last few movies that all of us have been watching. We saw Encanto. We saw Ghostbusters Afterlife. We saw Spider-Man. We saw turning red and each freaking one made us cry. I mean, what the hell, Hollywood? <laughs> Why are you doing this to us? I what? still did not expect to cry in Ghostbusters. I also did not expect to cry in Ghostbusters. You know, when you when you say you watch when you say you're going to watch a Disney or Disney Pixar movie, you know like there's a 95% chance of that you're going to cry. It's like the beginning of up, son of a bitch. <laughs> that Caught me off guard though. Oh my god. You expect to cry somewhere in the middle towards the end. Not in the first five minutes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Whoa. I was not informed. (laughs) I feel like… 
I just think it's different now what the audience is looking for in their films because maybe some forms of entertainment or animated features in the past were kind of aspirational. You know, there were princesses. You know, these are the people we wanted to be like. So there were princesses, you know, lots of fantasy or, although in my case, princesses. Maybe in your your, your guys' case, uh, superheroes. But Thank recent- God, I thought you was going to say beast. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> superheroes maybe in your case. So <laughs> this was what, you know, people wanted to be like with maybe a little sprinkle of lessons here and there, which we ate that shit up when we were younger. But I guess now… People are more inclined to make things relatable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than actually be showing you something that you'd want to be or achieve, but something you're already experiencing, something you can actually be able to identify with. And not just in terms of story, like even inclusivity in general. More and more people or kids are saying like, hey, I'm seeing myself on screen and that's great. Mm-hmm. So I guess that we're just in that sort of uh, phase Fa- right now. Era. Era or phase where yeah. we want to see ourselves on screen or we want to see ourselves in whatever we're watching so we're able to relate to it. That's interesting. That's a really good take. I legitimately have nothing to add to that. <laughs> I get other than to ask you guys, is this a film that you would recommend? Uh... It's Disney. So, you know, I grew up watching Disney movies and I would... Gr- Die recommending Disney movies. I don't know why, but this <laughs> this particular Pixar film hit me like really hard, just as hard as Soul probably, because these are things I'm currently going through. Like even at my ripe age of thirty plus, I'm still having issues with my mother. <laughs> so, um, just be prepared. As in, if you were being hit by Pixar films or these sort of heart tugging animated features before. You better be fucking ready for more tears here on out because that's what the, that's the business they're in. They're already they already know what makes us cry. They already mm-hmm. know what makes us be able to relate to things. Mm-hmm. It's and consistent. Yeah, so it's just yes, I would absolutely recommend it. And I wish I had this movie growing up to show to my mom. Well, you can <laughs> show it to her now. For her to learn some, you know, learn some things and maybe say sorry for some things. But uh, uh, my issues notwithstanding, yeah, it's definitely something you can learn from and embrace. <laughs> Ooh, this is hard to talk about. Sorry. The trauma okay. is coming. Um, while I couldn't entirely relate to everything that was being discussed, um, I, I actually got get to see, I mean, present tense, I get to see a lot of this subject matter. And I get to talk about a lot of it with, with Deng, of course, because, you know, my, my girlfriend is Chinese. And, and I see her relationship with her mom. In fact, after, as soon as we got back from the premiere, she's telling her mom's like, you got to watch this. We're watching this mm-hmm. together. <laughs> and, and they did. They did. And um, her, her mom pretty much gave her um, the version of the speech from the movie where she says, you know, I mean, basically, you know, if, I, if I've pushed you and all that, if, and, and if you were trying hard to please everybody, then, 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 then I'm sorry for that. And 
I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away from that because I was of the belief. Uh, I believe in that meme, the one that says the most fantastical element in this movie is where the fact that the Asian mom says sorry. <laughs> and yeah, I apologize, dang, if I'm oversharing, but I thought that was a really powerful moment. And I was amazed. And if an animated movie can bring out that level of authentic emotion, then, you know, then I absolutely wholeheartedly, everybody, you, you ought to see this movie. Honestly, that's where I'm standing on this. I love Turning Red and damn it, Pixar, you made us cry again. <laughs> um, I also want to say that um, not everybody, I guess, has the, not everybody has the privilege or luxury to actually have a parent that listens. Mm-mm. So whether or not this... Uh, Wait. No, it's okay. Sorry, guys. Sobrang bigat kasi ng film sa akin. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, Take your time. Well, I'm really happy for Deng that she was able to have that moment with her mom and that her mom understood. And um, maybe, I'm not sure if I'm in the position to be able to tell her what I want to say through this movie or maybe some other people won't either. Because there are different levels of strained relationships out there. And uh, it's not necessarily going to go as smoothly as, um, as what, this, what might have happened in the film or what Deng has experienced. But what you can take away from it is that at least even if maybe you're not able to like, fix that certain relationship you're pining to fix, just know that it's okay to be yourself. If that's what you can pick up from it, at least. Just be who you are. Don't apologize for it. Because nobody else can tell you who to be but yourself. Damn straight. Uh, there was also this part in the movie where May was able to actually stay calm or not explode emotionally because she was thinking of her friends. Yes. And I think that's also very important to have. Besides knowing who you are and who you want to be and just going for it. Find yourself that support group that keeps you grounded. Because these these girls, they, they are an amazing group of friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it, it was a little bit heartbreaking to know that like the mom was expecting or thinking that, oh, it's me she thinks about when she's, you know, wants to calm down. But unfortunately, it's not. So there will really be times that maybe your family isn't your blood relatives, maybe there you will also find family in your friends or the people you meet along the way. Absolutely so it's also true. important to value those relationships. And it's okay to find family outside your family. I but, totally but, get that. Yes, I understand that. Is it mm-hmm. what um, kids these days call it? Uh, finding your tribe? Yeah, exactly. So find or, your tribe, be yourself. And it's okay if there are other strained relationships out there. Just... You do you and do it with the people you love. Definitely. Whether or not you're blood-related. That mm-hmm. makes so much sense. Yeah, so there! <laughs> wow, this episode gave us a lot to unpack. And I don't think it's going to be the last time that we'll be discussing these issues. Um, clearly, Ooh. we have a lot of things we need to work through. Let us know in the comments or in our Facebook group. Um 
what did you guys think about turning red? Are you as emotionally scarred as we are or more? <laughs> I'm never um, watching it again. Are <laughs> you, uh, did you guys cry? Um, did you guys um, transform into anthropomorphic furry woodland creatures when you first got your, um, you know, first pangs of adolescence? Let us know. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram at Subway Tours Podcast. We also have a Facebook group, Subway Tours. We like movies. Drop us a line. We are always excited to hear from you. Until the next episode, we are the Subway Tours. I am Misha. I am Mai. And I am Anjo. And we are signing off. This Bye. may be the last Disney Pixar episode we will be doing for a while. Yeah, for our we need sanity. A break. We, yeah. I mean, come on. I, I started just, I just, I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't know the song that I didn't memorize the song Billie Eilish wrote, but I just ended up singing a song by my current favorite boy band and that makes me feel better. It's okay. But really, I, I'm with Anjo on this one. This movie made me hungry for Chinese food. Oh, yeah. I've I want Chao Long Bao. Yes, exactly. <laughs>